0: Breaching the fault lines of today. Welcome to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to another week of Reform This on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you for being here. If you're a subscriber, thank you for coming back. I hope you get a little taste of something that you don't get anywhere else. A little clarity, a little sense of ownership. A Muslim that loves his country first, but is willing to work directly against the radicals and confront the ideas that threaten us. A lot to talk about. And if you're new, by the way... Thank you for giving this podcast a chance and uh, hopefully you'll come back for more this week i'm I have to start telling you with telling you first about Ramadan. Uh, we started our fast as we do every year Ramadan is the ninth month of the Muslim calendar the Muslim lunar calendar and every year we reflect and look back at our priorities our blessings. And I have to tell you, it does not get old. It does not get trite. It does not get cannot get any more sweet than remembering this great country that we have, the blessings that I have in parents that escaped Syria to come here in the late 60s and bless our family with the freedom of American freedom and allow me and my siblings and now my children to be able to grow up in the freest nation in the world with the greatest opportunities in the world. And I'm reminded now of the blessings that we have as I talk to cousins in Aleppo, family, aunts, uncles in Damascus and Aleppo, struggling to get meals, struggling to help their neighbors dodge bombs, dodge damage of crossfire between the syrian regime that is genocidally wiping out neighborhoods and isis and the other radical islamists that continue to exponentially radicalize week to week and month to month as now they've clearly crossed half a million dead and 11 million displaced but ramadan ramadan is a Month of fasting, and it was great to talk to uh, Tyler O'Neill this week, who's a reporter with a writer with PJ Media about the holiday. And he did a great write-up on PJ Media. I'd ask you to go look at that. We talked about the meaning it to Muslims and and some of the commonalities between Judaism, Islam, and Christianity about fasting and many of the re- major religions that have always used fasting as a as a mechanism of getting closer to God and as I told him, there there's nothing more cleansing to the soul and more equalizing across humanity than the innately human feeling of thirst hunger and bodily need which a Muslim willfully withstands on a daily basis in order to demonstrate that humble belief in God our Creator and whether it's the Christian Lentian fast The Yom Kippur fast of 24 hours, or the Ramadan fast of 30 days. You know, we fast, we wake up every morning. We must stop any eating and drinking at by dawn. And right now for us here in Arizona, it's around 4 a.m. So we wake up at 3, have a large meal, and uh, uh, it's a religious requirement that Muslims fast after the age of puberty no different than the age in which uh, jewish children are bar mitzvahed uh, and then they start to uh, come to the age of their faith and similarly uh, that's when the requirements of islam become mandatory now my eight-year-old also participates in the fast and has fasted a few days already even though he doesn't have to he likes to participate and all other days he'll fast from breakfast to lunch or lunch to dinner just to participate in it. And at the end of the day, fasting is about that sense that regardless of the blessings you have, the health that you have, the strength, the weakness, the ignorance, the intelligence, the poverty, the wealth, whatever it is, there is nothing more equalizing than hunger, than thirst the need for bodily sustenance. That is to me what Ramadan is about. We are equalized as human beings. And especially if you look in the Middle East where you have these oligarchies, these autocratic, tyrannical monarchies in which they think the hand of God gave them everything because they are better than the rest of their peoples. And yet if they looked at their Islam... In a more modern, egalitarian way, they'd realize that their Islam of domination, of supremacism, of materialism, in which their people produce no products because they hand them over 90% of the people of Saudi Arabia are on the government payroll. So there's no appreciation for human work, human energy, human creativity. It's all handouts. And that's what happens to any society that ends up depending upon government. And that's what the royal family has done. They call themselves the custodians of the Holy Mosque. As if it says it in the Quran, it does not. There's nothing about the House of Saud in the Quran. But they think they own the religion and the people of our faith. But they do not. And Ramadan reminds us that every human being, from the king of Saudi Arabia to the Bedouins in their deserts, to the Muslims who are here in America feasting off the freedom that God gave us here, we have the same thirst, we have the same hunger, we have the same need day to day, and there's nothing more humbling than that daily fast. And then interesting, you look at Sharia activists, Islamists like Linda Sarsour, who has somehow, by some twisted world has become one of the symbols of leftist feminism when in fact she's tweeted and talked in the past about preferring to live in saudi arabia about honoring their three months of maternity leave and other nonsense that she said well she put out a video ridiculing and talking about how as a muslim she feels denigrated by the people that eat around her and don't value and respect her faith. It's absurd. To me as a Muslim, there's nothing more Islamic than fasting in America, where my faith is challenged, where I make a choice, where God knows that when I don't drink or eat from sunrise to sunset and waiting for that moment at 7.32 when it's sunset to drink my water and date, eat my date, and then pray, and then have a meal, that I have actually chosen to fast. I did not do this in a society that takes a four-hour siesta in the afternoon because it's easier to mandate that culturally in countries like Saudi Arabia or elsewhere than which their fast becomes a switch of the day and night and becomes not a real fast, but becomes a loophole in which they look at the details of saying nothing to eat or drink between sunrise and sunset, but they end up sleeping most of the day. Yes, their fast is their fast. Who am I to judge? But I am saying to those who believe that it's better to fast in an Islamic, quote-unquote, society, in a, quote-unquote, Muslim culture, this is where we need reform. What is a Muslim culture? In a Ramadan, you should be working your tail off from sunrise to sunset while you fast. That's a tested fast. You shouldn't be sleeping it off, but working to create things, to be more human. Remember what it's like to have the gifts that God gave you, which most importantly is what's between your ears the unique nature of the cognitive power of being human. What do we do with that unique nature? There's seven billion people. Do we, each, do we each utilize the gifts that God gave us to the maximum ability that we have? And that's what Ramadan's about. Forgetting about food and drink and opulence and trying to maximize the real gifts which are innate in the creation that we are. The primary thing on this planet that we cannot create which is human beings and our souls. That, to me, is what Ramadan's about. We're in our first week of it this week. We get closer to family as we break our fast together and start our fast every day together. And remember what it's like to be appreciative of other faiths, not to push our faith on other people, but to respect the fact that other faiths have protected us and given us freedom. And given us the ability to live in countries like the United States of America. And what do we do in return? Are we sitting silent? Are we reforming the religion that has now become the jihad that is destabilizing the planet? Or are we sitting on our hands during the month of atonement of Ramadan and doing nothing? Doing nothing to repair, repair the world as the Jewish tradition teaches and as the Christian tradition teaches. And I believe as the Muslim tradition teaches. But yet, in the month of Ramadan, the radicals seem to commit more acts of jihad. Already this week we've seen Coptic Christians slaughtered in their churches in Egypt. We've seen an ice cream parlor at midnight of predominantly Shia Muslims bombed by radical Sunnis, likely ISIS in Iraq and Baghdad. And we've seen Kabul hit just a few days ago by one of the largest bombs it has seen in a while with 80 dead, 350 injured in a bomb that on many sides of Kabul they said they felt rocked the the city. And likely there's more to come because as much as the modern Muslims feel this is a month month of humility and atonement, the militant Muslims will use this as a time in which they feel their rewards are thousands of times greater and they feel they will go to heaven, but I pray every day that they will find themselves elsewhere. This is Zudi Jasser on Reform This, and we'll be right back.
0: You're listening to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser, the Blaze Radio Network. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser.
2: This is Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to Reform This. We're talking this week about Ramadan, the beginning of a holy month in which 1.5, 1.6, however many billion Muslims there are on the planet are all beginning to look deeper into our scripture, deeper into our faith, in addition, deeper into ourselves as we fast day to day, from sunrise to sunset of all sustenance. And yet, why is it that more acts of militant jihad are committed in this month than any other month? Same reason why there's more acts of jihad and violence committed on Friday than any other day of the week. Because the dominant voice of the establishment of Islam, the establishment leaders from mosque to mosque across the planet, not all of them, but the majority are Islamists who believe in the spread of faith, not by humility, by knowledge, by compassion, but no. By violence, by oppression, by autocracy, by regimes like the Iranian Republic, by regimes like the House of Saud, the Ikhwan al-Muslimin, and other dictators, even al-Sisi, and others who may be more moderate or benevolent like the King of Jordan, to say that those are democracies that treat their people as equal is absurd. They would have liberalized their markets by now in the last 50 years, and they would have had free markets with companies producing products that are sold across the planet. And unfortunately, there's a reason we can't think of hardly any free market products that have evolved and been created in the Middle East other than those out of Israel, and other than oil, which is not created by man, but created by this earth. My grandfather used to say the best thing that could happen in the Middle East is for its oil to dry up. Because cultures like the Japanese or the Western culture thrive off of the human ingenuity of creating products because they don't depend on their own natural resources. But unfortunately, oppression and governments have suppressed the natural innate desire of every human being From the Middle East to Africa to Russia to Asia to Europe and America, every human being wants to be able to create, liberalize themselves and and demonstrate the ingenuity that God gave them. And Ramadan is about finding that ingenuity, about finding that special part of the human equation that we believe to belong to and expressing that. But unfortunately, the dominant voices of the muslim communities right now especially in the arab world and in the eastern part of the world are violent ones that believe in global jihad and in the west it has unfortunately we've been run by non-violent islamist groups who are apologists for jihad who are part of the civilizational jihad that believe that we are victims that we think of our political consciousness as muslims not as americans first And that ultimately their agenda is not about spreading freedom and liberty and individual rights, but rather about spreading the green flag of whatever version of an Islamic state they believe in. This week I heard that one of the primary scholars of ISIS was finally assassinated in Raqqa and i thought oh that is a sweeter piece of news than eating my date now that might not be a very compassionate thing to say on ramadan but i have to tell you if you love your faith and you love your country the end of isis is the first step towards achieving better harmony and peace but we could get rid of isis by the end of the month And six months later, another radical group will rear its ugly head. Because we have not solved the inner problem. The Christian Reformation, part of what ended after 8 million or more died in the Thirty Years' War and the Enlightenment began to take root, they went back, the Christian community went back to what the love of Jesus was all about. That Jesus' message was never about war, was never about forced conversions. It was about love, compassion, and about God. Humility and honesty and integrity. Just as Abraham's message, Moses' message was, and as I believe Muhammad's message was. We've lost that. They've exaggerated and and amplified various hadith sayings of the Prophet, which I believe are illegitimate, but those sayings of the Prophet in which they purport the Prophet to have been a warrior who was not moral, but rather immoral. We have to, we have to weed those narratives out of the history of Islam And I know for those who are naysayers, they believe that you can't do that. That's the truth. I'm not going to convince you otherwise. Consider it mythology. But as you look forward into the 21st century, Muslims who believe that the narrative of the Prophet Muhammad was one based in, yes, some just wars and just battles, but one in which we can separate What was history of the 7th century versus what we are and what we're doing today is, I believe, the only answer to the future, is the only solution to the future for global stability. Because Muslims that can separate mosque and state, that can defeat the global political jihadist movement or Islamism, that can come to terms with modernity and come to terms with a religion that doesn't want to dominate individuals, that has no clergy, that's a very personal faith in which you need to live in laboratories where you can reject the faith, leave the faith, ridicule the faith. And those laboratories are countries like America and Britain and France and ultimately Tunisia, Egypt, Syria, and others that are, that are convulsing in revolutions right now. Those countries can evolve in which their, their interpretations of Islam can become a faith that is no longer one that spread historically in a narrative, a narrative of the sword, but rather a narrative of love and compassion in which the sermons on Friday are about the love and compassion of not only Muhammad, but of all of humanity that the ummah is no longer about being muslim but about universal humanity whether they believe in god or not it's one ummah we are a universal ummah that i think needs reform because ummah even in the quran means state There are many things in the Qur'an that we need to say, you know what, yeah, it's legitimate, it's the word of God, but it made sense in 628 CE, but not anymore. We're not going to change that word, we're just going to circumscribe it and say it doesn't apply to the 21st century. Just like we use computer and medical science, we can use political science to modernize thought and say that these things don't apply. We've done that with polygamy, which was permitted in the Quran, and I've never met a Muslim that agrees with it. We can do it with injunctions to cut the hands of those who steal. We're not saying it's not the word of God. We're just saying that it's inhuman to do that today. We don't do it anymore. A lot of the religions have done that by modernizing which passages they choose, and also modernizing interpretation. You could modernize the interpretation and say, you know what? Maybe God knew that it wouldn't always mean sever. Maybe just like you sever a relationship, it doesn't mean cutting their arms. It means just taking them out of society and putting them in prison. There are more modern metaphorical ways to interpret things. So one of the reasons there's more jihad on Friday than any other day is because the sermons, for the most part, are not about love and compassion. They're about jihad and the weakness of Muslims, the victimization of Muslims and how we are Oppressed because of the left, or I'm sorry, because of the West, because of the tyranny of the rulers of the Jews and other conspiracy theories. And then they leave to co commit acts of violence on that day. Ramadan is no different. Every night they're supposed to, we're supposed to read a 30th of the Quran every night and learn positive things about reflection and humility. But unfortunately, often what happens is the militants will use that to stir the pot and boil the soup. So their, their daily recitation of scripture is bringing to the forefront their Salafi jihadist and Wahhabi interpretations of those scriptures, riling up the fervor of their militancy. It's what's chilling is as. I've said many times, is those very same passages that encourage peaceful Muslims to grow, to get closer to God, also inspire the jihadists to lash out on violence. How is that? I guess the only way I can really answer that for you, truthfully, is to take each passage and dissect them out. Obviously, the ones that are about battles are supposed to be separated to no longer apply anymore today. But I will tell you that I felt nothing more humbling and honorable to do than to serve in the American military. But that's because I came from a family that I was taught that I'd never want to serve in an Islamic military, but only in the American one. Because that's the country that gave me and protected my rights to be Muslim. That the days for an Islamic army are done. No longer necessary. The jihad is done. Full stop. No exception. We have a lot of reform to do, a lot of work to do. And I hope this month of Ramadan reminds us, reminds us of all that we need to do. This is Zudi Jasser on Reform This, and we'll be right back.
0: Breaching the fault lines of today. This is Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't
1: miss Pat and Stew. We decided to, instead of doing spoons, because uh, Jeffy's uh, on this big thing, he can't have like one gram of sugar. No. But we said, hey, let's try, it. let's mix it up on spoons a little bit. We'll try some
2: healthy products instead of the typical crap that we eat. Um, so today. Have... Look
1: at what this is. It's Today, Zupa Organic Tomatillo Jalapeno Juice. Oh, or no, whatever. whatever. I'd that. Ah! Pat and Stew, weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network.
0: Radio Network on Demand Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser
2: This is Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to Reform This on the Blaze Radio Network. You know, we're not only talking about Ramadan, we're talking about love, compassion, relationships in society that If we segregate and balkanize the way the Islamists want us to do, the way they begin the radicalization process of Muslims, they do that by telling them that your community is the Muslim one. The people who will protect you are only the Muslims. Nobody else will protect you. You can't rely on anybody else. That's not Islamic. I don't believe that's of God. God loves every human being. God believes that every human being can teach another human being something, and that the relationship with God is a personal one that no one else should ever judge. And the rules that a person chooses to accept as being from God is his or hers alone to choose, and not society's. There is an Emirati uh, pop star, Hussein El-Jasmi, who put out a, a fantastic video this week that went viral, already has millions of hits, and is long overdue. But what is it about? It is about worshiping God with love and not with terror. The image of the video with Arabic singing throughout the background, not rock, Khaliji, or golf-type singing, but rather a spiritual-type engaging music that I think would appeal to youth and many, and you can see by the viral nature of the video that Al-Jasmi has hit a chord, but he has an image through the uh, video of a man wearing a suicide belt, and he's being drowned out in the music of children and people in the streets chanting and singing about God of love, not of terror. It depicts a would-be suicide bomber confronted with the faithful in the streets that tell him to bomb the world with love, to bomb the world with mercy. That that will tell God everything. He says, you've filled the cemeteries with our children and emptied our school desks. You've continued to worship your God with terror. We will worship our God with love. The Kuwaiti telecommunications giant, Zane, is funding that. A wonderful message. A wonderful message. And it's a good start. I think they're starting to get it that this is a monster that needs to be hit head on. But they're tackling the the violent part. I'm going to get later to some of the missing parts of this video, but... What are they going to do in three minutes? Uh, Have the entire message? I think the message on this video is fantastic in its three-minute message. In the beginning of Ramadan, they rolled out and said, we will encounter their hatred with the songs of love. That's how it concludes. It features images from bombings across the region, from al-Qaeda, ISIS, ISIS, and others, and it shows survivors and families of victims that are visibly wounded. So, I think they hit the note here, that is what I've been talking about for a long time, is that the only answer to this disease is love. The only answer to this disease is recognizing that this is a viral strain of Islam. These are not lone wolves. These are packs and packs of wolves. Take 10% of 1.6 billion and you have 160 million militant operatives. This needs a steady drumbeat at campaign against not only the violence, which Zayn's video, which Hussein Al-Jasmi's video does, But then we need the next video to tell them, to show them the creation that every individual has and can have to be free, to question the imam. Have them taking the mimbar, the pulpit down and exemplifying that they are no longer going to be told their religion from the mimbar, from the muazzin or the names of the people that lead the prayers or chant the prayers but they will get their religion directly from God. They have to be educated, they need to learn it, but I think if you want to take back Islam, as my website, takebackislam.com, talks about, if you want to do that and own it, we need to stop being spoon-fed or being afraid of questioning our elders. Every Muslim should be free to have a podcast about reformation whether I have a degree or you have a degree in Sharia or not. This is something to be proud of, about building critical thinking, critical mass, of fighting the tribe, fighting the leadership. And in this time of Ramadan, that's what we should celebrate. We should not ridicule people for questioning authority, but applaud them. In all the different schools of Islamic thought, of Hanbali, Maliki, Shafi'i, All the different schools in the Shia community of Jafari, Shirazi and others. Are they working to modernize their beliefs or are they stuck in the 13th century and just explaining away violent byproducts? So that video I think was a great, great start. But nothing's been cooked yet. Nothing's been made. It's a wonderful start to the race, but the race is on. This week, Al Jazeera put a cartoon out about the climate change and said that those who abandon the climate change do so because it's part of the cabal of the Talmudic conspiracy. And it had a picture of of what is clearly a derogatory picture of a Jew with a long nose. They quickly took it down, never apologized. But if you wonder why Muslims are being radicalized, it's these conspiracy theories pushed along with the left, which have radicalized our communities against the Jews, against the Christians, against anyone of any other faith and moderate Muslims too. It has told us it's us versus them. That we are victimized. That is what we need to realize. What are the precursors of radicalization? And Al Jazeera and its 60 million viewers is the primary precursor globally of radicalization. Funded by the Qatari government and the royal family there. So these same Gulf states that are putting together some actually wonderful videos against terrorism, it's like having the bar industry put together videos about drunk driving. Yeah, they don't want people to die driving drunk, but they're also making a hefty living out of alcoholism. Now, it's not a statement against drinking, but it is a statement that if you want to solve alcoholism, you don't go to those really making a living out of it. You go to the community, to try to decrease usage, to try to become educated about the root causes and the denial and the need for a 12-step program. We need that 12-step program. We need to address it vigorously, aggressively, daily, and with compassion and love. And I'll be back for a last segment this week on Reform This. This is Zudi Jasser.
0: You're listening to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jesser. The Blaze Radio Network.
1: Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service.
2: Jasser, welcome back to our last segment this week of Reform This on the Blaze Radio Network. Well, we talked about Ramadan, we talked about Jihad, why it increases in this supposed time of reflection, humility, and what should be love, but is rather violence at times, if not most times, sadly, horrifically. But we also are looking forward. To a longer month, a time in which hopefully we Muslims will gather our energy to pay attention to the priorities, which are to secure our nation, to secure our future, and defeat the ideology, these the underpinnings of radical Islamism. And to that note, I want to end this week talking about. We talked about Manchester last week and. We again had to add another city to the list of cities that are cited by simply mentioning their city. You remember horrific, radical Islamism. Boston. Fort Hood. San Bernardino. Paris, Nice. Baghdad, Kabul. You don't think of the people there, you think of the attack. And now we added Manchester. And surprise, surprise, we find out this week, we find out that the family was involved. Another 11 or 15 arrests have been made. We find out that the brother, that the network involved another cell, on and on. And please, for the love of God, do not use the term lone wolf. This guy was not alone. He was supported by a network of community operatives that were not necessarily military operatives that taught him how to put the bomb together. Odds are that last step of radicalization he learned in Libya when he traveled or elsewhere. But when he came home, he was fed by a narrative. The first steps... The initial steps, the gateway drug into militant ISIS radicalism is family, friends, mosque, community that reject Britain as evil, as not their country, as not Muslim. We hear Muslim communities here in America where the families say, oh, don't be like the Americans and date or drink alcohol or wear short skirts. Listen, nobody's saying that we shouldn't have moral family values in our communities. But to equate that which is negative with being American. You see Muslim families tell their kids, go to the Islamic schools. Ya Habibi, go to the Islamic schools so that you can learn Islamic values and stay away from the negative American values. That's what they're told. And how do you think that's going to create within the heart and soul of that young youth feeling about this country, that on the one hand with his friends and the freedom he loves, but on the other hand he comes home and his parents tell him that this is the source of immorality and corruption and short skirts and sexual exploitation and drugs. That's not what I was told. I know many Muslim families that every day thank God for being here for the freedom and liberty that this country gives them. Don't teach their kids a victimization. Don't teach their kids a disgust and rejection of the Western culture. Don't teach their kids... Anti-Semitism and conspiracy theories where they explain away all of their weakness and lack of courage in confronting radical ideas and simply say, oh, it's because we have no chance. The media is controlled by the Jews, the Yehud, as they say, when they radicalize our community against Jews and and instill anti-Semitism. That's why the rates in the Arabic community can be of anti-Semitism up to 90-95%, because these sayings are said in Arabic a hundred times more than they are in English. Rather than respecting other faith communities for the, for the leadership that they've shown our country, in our world, where they've brought technologies and, and have helped in the hospitals of Israel, so many Syrian refugees... But no, instead we demonize them. So the underbelly of radicalization, as we've learning in Manchester, is demonization of British patriotism, of the British government, of the British people, of the British military. A belief in the supremacy of Sharia states, of the Islamic state. A victimization of Muslims as being victims of the West, or victims of dictators who are tools of the West. Nobody's saying there isn't little, obviously we've talked about foreign policy here, and I have my discuss with some of our catering to dictators, but on the scale of reasons why those dictators exist, come on. We can't blame that on America and the West. They exist because the peoples of those countries have not Risen up. And when they have, yes, the world hasn't supported them. But make no mistake, the number one, two, three, four, five, six murderers, the top ten murderers and genocidal killers of Muslims are their Muslim dictators, their Muslim tyrants. So the underbelly in Manchester of this family was likely blaming the problem of Muslims on the West, equating Arab tyrants with Western democracies, where they say secularism is evil, like the evil of Saddam and Hosni Mubarak and El sisi and Assad. And they indoctrinate with wild conspiracy theories. And then last as they teach them the Salafi Jihadism, I've talked to you about that before, they then dismiss the moral depravity, they dehumanize the women and children, and as you can see in the Ariana Grande concert, they attack the feminists, the liberal women, as being the targets of their enemies. That is what they believe is for freedom is all about. So wake up left, wake up feminists, wake up gay rights activists. This war will continue to come to you whether you try to apologize for it, blame the West, whatever you try to do. Radical Islamists hate liberalism. And there are those of us fighting for liberty, and there are others who will weaken and do hashtag prayers for Manchester, prayers for Boston. And yes, their hearts are in the right place, but their mission is in the wrong side. You cannot win this by helping prop up non-violent Islamism in the underbelly of radical Islamism. Radical political Islam is a global platform that is anti-Western, anti-democracy, and seeks to withdraw American and Western influence out of the Muslim consciousness. So when we see Al Jazeera pushing its mantra, it does so because it intentionally dissociates the connection of its global platform of Islamism from Qatar and the Muslim Brotherhood in Saudi Arabia, dissociates that from the militancy of ISIS, which is only a tip of the iceberg. Shabab, al-Qaeda, ISIS are only tips of the iceberg. The bigger threat to the Titanic of of the world is political Islam. The supremacy that ties this constituency of hundreds of millions of the 1.6 billion Muslims together into a political movement of a global one jihad, one ummah, one community, one political party that might divide into states, but ultimately within each state has the same goal, which is a caliphate. So, to counter this, we cannot only counter the terrorism, we have to counter the precursors, the victim precursors, the anti-Western precursors, and you replace the precursors with individual rights and freedom, with the, with the sense that you would only want to die for the West, that to be free, to be whole in this month of Ramadan, is to be one with God, and not interfered with by any clerics, monarchs, or autocrats. That strive for freedom is the only solution. You cannot win this strive in the Middle East. As I said before, a counterterrorism center in Riyadh is a joke. It might treat the symptom, but the replacement of the precursor with a precursor of love and leadership and intelligence and education will not come in those countries. It's a facade that continues them on that conveyor belt of radicalization based in Salafi supremacism, Salafi jihadism. No, in America we can create institutes that are based in liberty, not led by clerics, not led by governments of Petro-Islam, but led by individuals who want to be free and create new ideas, new products, a new legacy, a new 21st century modernized Islam. That's the precursor we need to replace. And in Ramadan, that's what I'm going to dedicate myself to, is trying to figure out how to harness the energy of reformers, of those who are modern thinkers, to contain the dangers of all the Islamists. Help me do that. Come to our website at aifdemocracy.org. Come to my newsletter at takebackislam.com. Takebackislam.com. Join the conversation on Twitter at Dr. Zudi Jasser, D R Z U H D I Jasser. And join the movement. The reformers need help. We need associates. We need platforms. And God bless all those fasting, non fasting. Giving us the ability to be free to choose what to do and who to be. This is Zudi Jasser on Reform This. God bless.
0: Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. Breaching the fault lines of today, the Blaze Radio Network.